Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Hi there everybody and welcome to February 2022 at, at Windsor Park. You know, this is the third February in a row that has been different to the one that we had a year before. Let's go back to February 2020. We met as a church in person for all four Sundays as I talked about our vision for that year and launched a series that we called Thrive. The timing of that series was perfect as by the end of February, the first case of COVID in New Zealand had been diagnosed. It was actually here on the North Shore in Auckland. But life was still kind of normal And we didn't end up having our first Windsor Park at home online service until March the 22nd of that year. It was live streamed uh, in a very technologically savvy way, we thought. (laughs) This time last year, we all thought that life was heading back to normal. And in February 2021, I talked about our vision for the church as we came out of a summer where we stripped back some things and we adopted a strategy that we called survive. We were just getting through and we started to instigate a season that we called revive. Last February, I kicked off a series called Authentic, where during the year we went through several different books of the Bible and some other themes And we talked about what an authentic follower of Jesus looks like, which really is all about allowing the Spirit of God to shape our our hearts and our character as we become more like Jesus. But in the middle of February last year, we had to pivot again as a COVID outbreak hit New Zealand. And we had to go back to online-only church for the second two Sundays of February and the first Sunday of March. Fortunately, at that time, it was only three weeks and we got back to normal. Well, here we are on the 6th of February, 2022. And this is week 25 of being an, an online Sunday community only. I mean, we love online and we love gathering. We love both But right now, we can only be in this way. Next week, it'll be six months. Crazy times, really. And it's obvious that because of what's going on here in New Zealand, as we try to restrict the spread of the Omicron variant, we're probably going to be in this online Windsor Park at-home environment for all four weeks of February, and realistically, probably a little bit longer than that as well. Of course, Sunday is only one part of what we're about. And I love all the initiatives that I've seen from many of you as you have sought to stay connected to one another. And really to do that well, it's all of us chipping in that will get us through. I'm proud to be part of such a great faith community with so many people that are prepared to do a range of different things for us to stay connected. As we start the first Sunday of February, I do, though, want to remain consistent with what I've done for many years now. And I want to use February as a time to talk about some big picture things that are affecting us, perhaps 
now more than ever. In talking about these things, it's casting a vision for each one of us together to stay attached to the vine, as the Bible puts it, to stay attached to the Word of God so that we'll come through this season closer to God than what we were before, which really is the hallmark of effective spiritual growth for all of us, no matter what stage of a journey with Jesus we are on. So using the language that has become familiar over the last two years, I want to spend February looking at some conspiracy theories that affect the church. And there is no shortage of conspiracy theories to talk about, but I'll limit them to four, one per week for the four weeks of February. Hopefully, my intention is that it will create some great conversations, especially in your small groups, especially in people that you hang out with, that will help us continue to mature as the hands and the feet of Jesus in our world. I want to talk about conspiracy theories that try to kill the church because all four of these topics will continue to affect how the church responds to this global pandemic and how we continue to pivot into the changed world that will be in front of us. I mean, it's changing now and it will continue to change. At the same time, I believe that all four of these conspiracy theories are easily disproved within the Scriptures. And that is exactly where we will and should end up every single time. Today, I'll talk about the first conspiracy theory that seeks to kill the church, and I'll end up with the truth that sets her free. So, conspiracy theory number one goes like this. My faith is personal and I don't need to belong to a community of faith. That's the theory. That's the conspiracy. My faith is personal to me and, you know, it's just mine. This conspiracy theory has its roots in the 17th century, when social scientists would today say that the social construct of individualism was born. So for 1,700 years, it wasn't a big deal for the church, but it certainly has been for the last 300 years. And the pace of this theory infecting the church has certainly escalated within the last century and perhaps particularly within the last half century. It runs almost unchecked today. In essence, individualism is the idea that I and more important than we. Google the theory of individualism and you'll see many variations of that same kind of theme. Within Christianity, the idea that being a follower of Jesus is something that is personal to me and I don't need to be connected to others comes out in all kinds of different ways today. Like me, you probably all know people who have gone down that rabbit hole. And there are times when I would prefer to be like that because I don't always want to be accountable to others. And there are times when some of you really annoy me and I'm sure I annoy some of you. I can't imagine how I would do that, but some of you could probably comment, I'm sure. This is one of those times where you don't need to comment on our, on our platforms. <laughs> Last year, 
This conspiracy theory revealed itself in a very public way and in a very public speech. Christopher Luxon had been just appointed as the leader of the National Party. And as many of you know, his faith was the subject of a lot of questioning. Every reporter asked him about it. It was like nothing that I had seen before in New Zealand. It was kind of like it was the only subject that people wanted to ask him about. Speaking on TVNZ's Q&A program, Jack Tame was interviewing him a, a week after, uh, after he assumed the leadership in December. And Luxon said this, and I quote, The bottom line is my faith is very personal to me. I don't need to go to church with my faith. Now, I'm sure that that line resonates with a lot of people. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to Talkback Radio on News Talk ZB, and this exact topic came up. They were talking about the decline of Christianity in New Zealand. And then for the next 90 minutes, every single caller reiterated the same theme. Every one of them. Faith, but I don't need to be connected to anything. The problem with this theory of individualism and that faith is personal and I don't need to belong is that it's not what the scriptures say about being a follower of Jesus. So it's a conspiracy to say that I can be a follower of Jesus by myself. It's personal to me and it doesn't affect anyone else. Now, as an aside, if you want to listen to the best speech I have ever heard about Christianity in our House of Representatives, in our government, you have to listen to what Dr. Russell Norman, who at the time was the co-leader of the Green Party, said exactly 10 years before on the 21st of December 2011. It is phenomenal and more phenomenal because Norman disclosed in his speech that he's an atheist. And he then went on to give a powerful speech about Christianity and the fruit of the church throughout history. Seriously, you have to listen to it. I put a link to it in my notes. You can download a copy of my notes off our website or from our app, or you can get our notes every week if you want to. Just head to our website. You'll find them. The link is in there. The foundation for the truth that sets the church free from the conspiracy theory that faith is personal and I don't need to be connected is found in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 16, Verses 13 to 18, we read of Jesus's interaction with his life group, with, with those who he was connected to. It goes like this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Because of the language that we see in that passage, 
And I'm talking about the Greek words that Jesus used at the time, not the various English translations that we read today. We accept that this interaction with Peter was the beginning of the church as we know it. The church was to be the instrument that Jesus instigated here on earth. And whatever was done in Jesus' name in the church would have eternal significance and consequence. And when we look at the language, when we look at the words, there are, there are two points that I can quickly make to perhaps summarize exactly what Jesus was saying. First, he was saying this. The church is people, not a building. I mean, it sounds so straightforward, right? We only need to look at the word that Jesus uses when he talks about the church. It's the word ecclesia which never refers to a building. An ecclesia was a gathering of people. And so Jesus' word choice was well understood by the people of Palestine because in that culture, ecclesia meant a public assembly of citizens. It was often used when they were called out to come and vote, come together, come as people. Its Hebrew counterpart in the Old Testament also meant the congregation of Israel gathered at Sinai and assembled before the Lord. It meant those whom God brought together and called by His name. The ecclesia is the people of God. So traditionally, when we think back a little bit, on a Sunday, when we wake up, we never actually go to church. We go to a building. We're the church, the ecclesia. The people of God gather with one another. Now, obviously, COVID has changed that. But it's why we're constantly beating on the drum of encouraging you to invite people to your home right now, if you're able to, of course. But even if you're not, that's why we're constantly encouraging two-way communication. We seek to do that even in this online environment. We're constantly encouraging you to connect with others. Because the church is not a building, it's people. Secondly, the church is more than an ecclesia of people. It is, in fact, a new community. The conspiracy theory that I'm talking about today is driven by individualism, but also by some of the language that, in fact, we use within Christianity today. We often talk, for example, about entering into a personal relationship with Jesus, as if it's all about just me, just me and Him. Now, at a foundational level, this is true as far as it goes, but it falls woefully short of the blueprint that Jesus drew and that the early church modeled. The book of Acts is where we get so much from about how the early church operated and how Jesus intended it to be. Ecclesia, the gathering of people. One of the things that we see in the book of Acts is how early Christians described themselves as belonging to, as it says, the way. I guess it was an early term for belonging to the ecclesia or, or the church. Presumably, they called themselves this because of Jesus' statement in John chapter 14, verse 6 where he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Or in Acts 18, verse 26, Luke writes that Aquila and Priscilla explained to Apollos 
the way of God more fully. Or in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter refers to Christianity as the way of truth. And the writer of Hebrews say that Jesus' broken body is the new and living way for us to enter the most holy place. We see that in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 20. These realistically are radical words that support all of the passages in the New Testament, such as 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, that describe Christianity as being corporate. Passages that speak about one body with different parts. The community of the redeemed, the holy nation, the royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Those of you that are older will recognize that song that we used to sing. Biblical scholar Carl Henry calls it the new society of God's people, the new society of the twice born. In summary, if we properly understand the exchange between Jesus and Peter and the rest of the scriptures, we come face to face with a truly staggering truth about the nature of this new society. It is so dear to Christ that he purchased it with his own blood. For we are part of the body for which Christ died. Being part of a confessing body a group of people, an ecclesia that confessed Christ as Saviour, is fundamental to the daily rhythms of being a follower of Jesus. Which is why the significant verse in Hebrews is there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it's so pertinent. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And of course, that meeting together doesn't mean in big auditoriums. It can mean a multiplicity of different ways, including the way that we're doing it now in this online and yet connected way. Of course, it's not just the biblical narrative that overwhelmingly shows that life is designed to be lived together. Cultures around the world for centuries have lived this out and continue to exemplify the strength of the collective over the value of the individual. Our own culture here in New Zealand, our own Māori culture is embedded with proverbs that are what we call whakatoki that are to this day used as reference points within speeches that seek to influence the historical undertones of that culture. Here are three proverbs or three whakatoki that we find in common usage to this day, spoken on Marae and other places around our nation. Ihara taku toa, iti te toa takitahi. Engare he toa takatini. Basically says, my strength is not as an individual, but as a collective. My strength is found in my relationships with others. Or a shorter one, he waka eke noa. We're all in this together. Does that sound like a song out of a musical that some of you younger people might know as well? Or how about perhaps the most well-known Fokotoki, the most well-known proverb? He ahatia mea nui otiao. He tangata, he tangata, he tangata. What is the most important thing in the world? It's not money. 
It's not career. It is people. It is people. It is people. On Waitangi weekend 2022, let's remember that there is still a lot that we can learn from each other across our cultures. Some powerful things. You know, a conspiracy theory can be described as being a belief or a theory that leads people away from commonly held beliefs, actions, and truths. The historical understanding for 17 centuries within the Christian community was that life and faith are designed to be lived together. The historical truth from from the scriptures is that faith is not personal because it affects every part of our life, our political life, our financial life, our social life, and in every sphere that we operate in. If Christ is our Saviour, then faith in Him has no option but for it to be public in the attitudes that we hold, the words that we say, and the deeds that we do with our hands, and the worldview that we learn and mature in as we age and go through life. Now, let me put in a a few personal disclosures as I start to wind this up. I'm not saying this to get you to come to church on a Sunday. Because right now, most of us can't even get to church on a Sunday. Even when we can, my hope is that the community that I'm part of that calls ourselves followers of Jesus might be more flexible than ever about how we go about living out our lives as part of the way. I mean, I love our corporate gatherings. Don't get me wrong. I'm an extrovert. I love being around people. But they're not perfect. Even though right now we're holding them up as being the thing that we most miss. And yet when we are together, many of you complain about it. The music, the air conditioning, the preaching, whatever it might be. My great hope in trying to bring truth to the conspiracy that faith is personal is that we'll find many ways of entering into each other's lives for the purposes of doing life and faith together. It's one of our catch cries here at Windsor Park. So that we can change and grow and mature into a community that lives our lives in ways that reflect the power of Christ that we sing about. Secondly, I don't believe that this conspiracy theory is is a salvation issue. You can be a follower of Jesus outside of a community of faith. Probably. You know, in all honesty, I wrestle with that though, because what it does mean is that when you're outside of being connected to others, that you're depriving the Spirit of God the opportunity for you to both grow and develop from being in faith relationships with others. And and at the same time, someone else is being deprived of the opportunity to grow and develop from you. I don't think that's giving God our best because we grow the most through being vulnerable with each other, through being transparent with one another. As hard as that can be sometimes, we grow when we share our stories, when we open our hearts, when we share our experiences. The great scholar Martin Luther once did go as far as to say that apart from the church, salvation is impossible. I don't know if I go quite that far, but it can 
and does have its risks. My third personal disclosure is that COVID has shown us the importance of relational connection. One of the big lessons we've been learning over the last two years is the importance of being connected to one another, to a smaller group of people, perhaps as part of a a bigger ecclesia that we call the church here at Windsor Park. We're a reasonably big community of faith and we don't know everybody, but we need to be connected to some people. If your experience of church is simply turning up on a Sunday, leaving straight afterwards and not engaging with folks and not serving with folks, not doing life and faith with folks, then it's probably been very easy for you to feel disconnected from your brothers and sisters in Christ over these two years. And I think it's a bit of a wake-up call to all of us. The more people turning up on a Sunday does not reflect the health of a faith community. The more people participating in initiatives such as what we've been calling Reach Out 3 over the last couple of years, well, that does. The more connected we are, the, the better we are together. You know, like every week, I can't force a response from you and neither do I want to. But I know that during my life, I've been blessed, challenged, annoyed and stretched in my faith by belonging to multiple groups that demonstrate that faith is definitely not just personal. I know that I can't grow in my faith without belonging to the lives of others, receiving input from those who have traveled longer than me and those who have studied and applied the scriptures more than me. I'm fortunate at my age now to be one of those people who today feel God pushing me into giving back to some of you who are younger than me. I'm someone that has learned a great deal from others and I'm seeking to just pass that down. Participating in the local church, contributing to the local church, seeking to grow the local church, that's, that's part of being a follower of Jesus. You know, there have been multiple expressions of what that has looked like for me and I'm a better person for it. And much bigger than that, I hope that the kingdom of God has grown somewhat because of it. To this day, I participate in one-on-ones, some small groups, some bigger groups, and I'm the richer for it. You know, I've presented a conspiracy theory that I believe is at odds with God's word. I hope that we will read the scriptures and hear the spirit challenging us to respond as he leads us. So to recap, conspiracy theory number one, my faith is personal and I don't need to belong to a community of faith. We we hear this a lot. The truth that sets that conspiracy free is that my faith is not personal and I grow and help others grow by belonging to a community of faith. And there is incredible freedom to be found in that place. May God challenge us. May God direct us. May God grow His kingdom in our world through us. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.